0: Well, I'm excited to be here this morning with everybody. Happy Mother's Day to every all the moms, not to the dads. You don't get to have a happy Mother's Day. Just kidding. Um, and at the end of service, we actually have a gift for you guys. It'll be on the way out. Um, I also wanted to mention next Saturday, we have our homeless ministry, which we've been doing for a while. Um, we, once a month, serve between five and seven hundred homeless people downtown. And it's so powerful to see people that you know are going through hell in their lives and to be able to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to them. There's nothing like it. And I have the honor this um, next Saturday to get to share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ with them as well. Uh, So if you can be a part of that, where you meet downtown, start serving food at 7 a.m. Uh, Would love for you to be a part of that. It's it's an awesome time just to serve and this is a ministry And I think it'd be so powerful if we could as the the global body of god Grasp on to this idea. This is a ministry that is not from jesus church It's another ministry, but they are doing a really good job. So why reinvent the wheel? Let's go and serve with them and propel the vision and the mission that god has given them Uh, so that's what the body of Christ is all about. We talked a little bit about that last week um, in the body of Christ. If you missed that sermon, um, I encourage you to go on to our Jesus Church uh, Facebook page and check that out or on our podcast. Um, but starting this week, we are jumping into a pretty long series on the book of Galatians. Now, uh, the book of Galatians to me is the cry of our church and our mission, um, what paul tells us in the book of galatians is freedom authentic freedom and genuine relationship with jesus christ is the only way to heaven Um, and not only that but it's the only way to share the gospel with the people in our lives or that we encounter that god brings us into contact with on a daily basis. So we're going to be in here for a while, probably through most of the summer, this wonderful summer we're about to embark on together. Um, But I promise it's going to stay fresh. It's going to stay exciting. The Bible might be old, but it never gets old because it gives life. Amen. Amen. So um, try and be here every week if you can. It's uh, going to be a lot like um, if you're in a movie and in the middle of the movie, your bladder starts singing to you and tells you, you got to go to go, and you're thinking, bladder, the devil is a liar, and I need to see the case for Christ because I need to have a case for Christ. So um, try and stay through uh, the entire series if you can. If you can't, if you miss a week, uh, we will have it on podcast, but try and keep up at least so you can see um, what we're, we're going through and what the Lord's telling us uh, through this series. Uh, the book of Galatians. Um, Many call it the most dangerous book in all of the Bible. Uh, the man named Martin Luther, a father of the faith, who, comfor- who changed the face of Christianity as we know it today, said that this was the book that he heard from the Lord while he was reading it that caused him to stand up against um, the, the legalism that the Catholic Church was impressing upon people um, and, and say, this isn't right. And because of what he learned and was convicted by in the book of Galatians, you can now own a Bible and you can read the Bible. Because before this time it was only in Latin. So that is the power that and the influence that we see in the generations before us in the book of galatians and what it has done uh martin luther he actually said that he was married to the book of galatians he likened it to his wife which i don't know how his wife probably felt about that um but but it changed his life um just like all of our wives and all the mothers out there you change our lives for the better um but it changed his life good save thank you um And it already, whether you know it or not, has changed your life. And I believe that as we go through these next 16 weeks, that it will continue to change our lives. Because the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will convict your heart. It will never condemn you, but it will cause you to change, to become more like jesus so we're going to go through the theme verse of all of the book of galatians uh, which is galatians chapter 5 verse 1 the book of galatians was written around 54 a.d so this is quite a ways after jesus has ascended to heaven um, to a group of churches this wasn't just to one church it was to a group of churches in asia minor uh, all around the area that paul had started and so the theme verse is in galatians chapter 5 flip it over uh, verses one, just verse one, not verses one. Um, this is what it says. Stand fast. Therefore in the liberty in which Christ has made us free in the liberty in which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now notice in this scripture that Christ is who makes us free. You don't make yourself free. I don't make myself free. Christ, Jesus Christ is the only source of authentic freedom in our lives. And only Jesus can set us free. And it is only Jesus who can liberate us. But what Paul is telling us also here is that it is possible after you were free because of who Jesus is and Jesus in your life, that it is possible to return back to bondage. Now, when we hear the word bondage, a lot of times what we think is sin. But when you read the context of what Jesus or what Paul is talking about here, this isn't talking about sin. And we're going to get into what the bondage is later in this sermon and in the weeks to be to to come. But this was a huge danger and a threat to the purity of the gospel of the first century church. And I know just as much as it was then that it is a danger to us today to return to this bondage. And I believe there are many of us who need to recover. The freedom that we have in christ jesus somebody turn to your neighbor and say live free galatians 1 1 um, this is all we're going to get to don't worry next week we'll go through more verses so we're not here until the lord returns um, but galatians 1 1 paul an apostle not for from man nor f- through man but through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead This is Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. What Paul is telling us here is that I have been commissioned by God to defend the purity and the simplicity simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That this is a God-sized calling. This isn't a man-sized calling. This isn't a great idea or something that I cooked up on my own, but this is God who is calling me to proclaim the truth of the gospel, that it is Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. And I believe as much as it was Paul's commission, and this is a God-sized commission for Paul, that it is a God-sized commission for us as Jesus Church to lift up his name and not some, some synthetic religion but true relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just for Jesus' church, but it's for Jesus' people. And every single one of us are Jesus' people, that he's called us to go into the world and to make disciples of all nations. And that's what we're going to start doing on Wednesday nights. But we have to understand that it is our call. And this isn't just a man's commission or something that I came up with, but this is God's commission to every single one of us. And we will not be entangled in a in bondage again, in a yoke of bondage, for God has way too much for us to do. He had far from us, far, far, far too much. Sorry, my get a little tongue time. God has far too much for us to do. Jesus did not die for this to be your yoke. For Jesus said that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. That it is life, not just to us, but for every single person who is touched by us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us today and dwell inside of us and and show us more of who you are. God, that we would um, be uh, convicted in our hearts, not condemned, but convicted on the things that maybe we've allowed to slide or slip in our lives. Lord, that we would um, be passionate about the true, simplistic gospel of Jesus Christ and that it wouldn't stay with us, Lord, but it would go to the nation's. God, that I would go to this valley, that I would go to all of Phoenix. Lord, that I would go to our Facebook pages. The love of Jesus Christ and the freedom that we find only in you, Jesus. So we ask these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one, and I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will live as one. This is a song written by a man named John Lennon in 1973, almost 45 years ago. Um, It's interesting because this song periodically uh, pops up, and what I've noticed: um, New Year's Eve is a a great time, and um, but I hate staying up till New Year's. I'll, I'll be honest, like. I'm going to bed at 11, like 10 o'clock probably. I'm not the one who's going to be staying up. And I'm not ashamed to say I've got kids and they make me tired and they don't know that I went to bed at midnight because they're going to be up at five o'clock in the morning. So so I'm going to sleep in or I'm going to go to bed early so that I'm not dying the next day. But luckily, living on the West Coast, we don't have to stay up till midnight. We can watch the TV and see the ball drop at 10 o'clock at night. That's awesome, right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um... But this is a theme that every year at some point we hear played this song from John Lennon. And and commentators are always talking about the amazing unity that we see and everybody's together and wanting to live as one. And when you look at this song, imagine what you see is a longing that started really in the 60s and the 70s of a generation that was desiring and seeking out liberty and freedom. They felt the oppression that was upon them. They didn't know what it was, but they knew that they didn't like it. And so they made this attempt, and obviously it was a weak attempt because it was a human attempt to find true, authentic freedom and liberty. This theme wasn't just in John Lennon's head. It was throughout um, the the different people who were leaders during that time. Um, George Harrison said this, The world is ready for a mystic revolution where we all discover the God that is in each one of us. A time to live, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry. Take it easy, baby. Take it as it comes. Jim Morrison. A man is is a success if he gets up in the morning, goes to bed at night, and in between does whatever he wants to do. Bob Dylan. Jim Morrison again. A friend is someone who lets us have total freedom and be ourselves. Now, it's ironic that I wasn't really even alive when these people were popular, Um, and and some of you were, some of you weren't, but these sayings affect us today more than we realize because this thinking bled into the worldviews that we experience in our culture, and we're affected by the ideas and, and the concepts that came from the 60s and 70s, and the reason that there's this longing For freedom, this reason that there's this longing to push away and reject oppression was because when we were created, when God created in Adam and Eve, there was no oppression. There was no bondage, there was no sin, and so we were created this way, and so when we feel oppression, when we feel this this these changed on us. We, we want to figure out this isn't right, that, that there's got to be something else. And, and so what happened in the sixties and seventies, they started to seek out this idea of individual or relative truth. And this idea of relative truth was that, um, if I figure out a truth that will work for me, then I can find ultimate freedom, And so many of us grew up with these ideas and theories, and these ideas and theories turned from concepts into worldviews from the 60s and 70s to the generations that we now find ourselves in. And culture went from total rule back before the 60s to no rules. And we thought that must be the answer. But as much as rules could never bring freedom, rejection of rules didn't bring freedom either. Uh, There is a theologian named N.T. Wright, and at the turn of the century, he uh, was reading um, through the New York Times, and the New York Times had this idea of the top 10 ideas that would shape today's America, the 21st century America, and the number three Uh, idea that would shape today's america was new calvinism what is new calvinism it is staunch bible theology rigid do's and don'ts i grew up in seattle and the largest fastest growing church in a very liberal city was a calvinist church for years calvinist church and, and reformed churches were completely empty and now people were flocking to them And the reason is because we live in a society that has tried for years in and years out to live based off of no absolutes. And what people are realizing is that that concept is failing them. That it absolutely hurts when somebody punches me. That it absolutely is painful when somebody dies early. That it is absolutely evil when there's genocide. The problem is people are still wanting an answer and how to find the answer that they know somewhere inside of them. There's something that's not right, that I feel oppressed. And when you can't find it in rules and you can't find it in no rules, you will ask the question, well, then where do we find this freedom that we long for? And us as the church, we have to capitalize on this question. It is why we are here. And if we fail to live out true Christianity that points not to a set of rules but to a person in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is the only answer our authentic Christianity that we desire people to experience and become a part of will be distorted into synthetic religion. People will try it because they are desperate because they know something's wrong. So if we point them to rules, they'll go to rules and they'll try them and they'll flock to them because they think this is now the answer. It was no rules, but now we know that didn't work. So let's just go back to rules and it's back and forth and back and forth. But it's not about rules and it's not about no rules because rules were never meant to save anybody. All they were meant to do was to point us to a savior. We live in a world that's obsessed with these rules, either embracing them or rejecting them. And the answer is found in neither of them. For freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. It is not found in anything else. It is grace by faith through faith alone. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll think, oh, well, I have to have faith. Faith is something that I do. Hebrews 11.1 one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Guess what that is? It's Jesus Christ. Our faith is found in Jesus, just like our grace is found in Jesus. And there are so many people who are longing for an answer. And they're in your neighborhoods, they're in your schools, they're in your colleges, they're in your workplace, wherever, they're in your families. And they're desperate for an answer and they're seeking out, trying to find an answer. And they'll try it in any and every religion. And if we fail to point them, not to the religion, but to the person, then eventually they're going to walk away. Because what they'll find is condemnation. And they'll find that they don't measure up. And what we'll find is we don't measure up as well. So this brings us to the book of Galatians. Paul, a conduit of the Holy Spirit, writes this dangerous, powerful book. And it's unlike any other book we find in the Bible because he doesn't start being all nice and chummy with everybody. He doesn't start being, hey, good to see you. Um, Say hi to so-and-so here and there. Um, Greetings and blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. He starts with, uh, I'm Paul, and I was appointed by God. And you need to listen to me because I was appointed by God. He, he's not mixing his words. He's not messing around. Paul is frustrated because the liberty of the gospel is being attacked. There are people who, after Paul had started these churches, had come in after him and said, well, you know, this Paul guy, um, he's not really an apostle. He's not really... Uh, one of the original, he's not one of the original 12, so, so you really shouldn't listen to him. He's more of a bandwagoner than anything else. I mean, so think about a Cowboys fan, if you, you want to know what they're calling him, uh, bandwagoner. But, but, um, but uh, Paul refused, he would not let it slide, to allow the gospel to just be a tradition. If there was anybody who knew that tradition and rules could not save you, it was Paul. Paul knew every rule. He kept them from a young age. Yet Jesus confronted him and said, Why are you fighting against me? Paul was passionate. And the the problem is that this idea of works to be saved or religion to save you... It still happens today. We see it all the time. And, and we will preach, teach, and claim Jesus Christ. And most of us wouldn't say that salvation is found through works, which is what uh, Martin Luther fought against and, and many of us believe. But the problem is a lot of times we'll say that we're saved by character. Yeah, we weren't saved by, um, by works, but we're saved by our character and, and how we act. And don't get me wrong. Character is very powerful and very important. But you are not saved by the content of of your, your character. You are saved by the character of Jesus Christ. So my character is hopeless. There is no such thing as being saved by character. It is so easy for us to get into this idea of what do I need to do to be good enough to be accepted by Jesus. Paul later on, he's going to call that demonic. He says, who bewitched you? Who tricked you into believing that you needed something more than Jesus in your life? who made you um, foolish enough to believe that it is Jesus who saves you plus a few things that you can do on your own. Paul is passionate about giving all the glory to Jesus. That it's all about him and it's not about you. And this is how he started all of these churches. He went from church to church with the true simplistic gospel of Jesus Christ that you are saved by having a relationship with Jesus and based off of what he has done you for you, not what you can do for yourself. And as he's going from church to church, these heretics are coming behind him and literally twisting the words of Paul into something that has nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with us. Now, when I think of this word heretic that I'm talking about, this is like a scary word. Like, usually you think like Satan worshipers, right? Like, people who like kick puppies and hate babies. Like, that's a heretic to me. But Interestingly, the people who are coming in, that's not what they were like. They didn't have horns and fangs with pitchforks. That, that's not the heretics. They came in saying, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, great, Jesus. I, I, I think that he's awesome. I believe in him. I believe he came and he died for our sins. However, if you want to get to the finish line, there's a couple more things that you need to do. So yes to Jesus, but make sure you follow this set of rules so you can get the rest of the way. And the problem with that is anything in an equation with Jesus to complete something is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of you. It's the gospel of me. It's the gospel of this world. And there is no life in it, and it is forever incomplete. Jesus completed what he came to do to save us 2,000 years ago. And Paul is saying, stop trying to say that what Jesus did, was not finished. You see, Galatians is so scandalous because it's not about what you can do. It's about what he has done. And it doesn't make sense to us because the culture that we live in, it's always saying, what do I have to do? I have to get there. I have to pull myself up by my own bootstraps and get to wherever I need to be. It's all about me. Listen, I don't need to earn my way into heaven and I don't need to prove I was worth it. But if I will live my life based off of what he has done... What I do will be pleasing to him. A lot of times we think, oh, great, we have grace. So now we can just check out and do whatever we want because we've got God's grace. Woohoo! let's go party. That's what we think. And that's not what it is because I know that when I understand what Jesus has done for me and the greatness of his sacrifice, that it's going to change me on the inside. And it's going to make me long to be more like him. But we have to stop obsessing over what we need to do and start obsessing over what he has done. By Galatians 5.1, the theme verse for the entire book, Paul is into this idea of freedom and liberty, and he's explained bondage, which we'll get to, and, and all of these uh, different things that are being said that I know are still said today and affect in trying to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives today. Um, but one of the main things that he's trying to tell us is that our definition of freedom is very messed up, especially in the world that we live in. The definition for most people, if you ask them what freedom is, it's I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Hello, that's like the biggest definition of bondage that I think I could ever imagine. Because the world tells you, do whatever you want to do, you'll be free. Have you ever noticed that what your flesh wants to do in the moment is not what your spirit wants to do for your future? That my flesh says, I want this now, but my spirit says, no, you don't for your future. Romans uh, 7, 19 says, for the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil that I will not to do, that's what I practice. That's my flesh saying, yes, I want this right now, but my spirit knows that that is the death of everything that I want for my life. I want for my future, a great marriage. I want for my future, children who love me. And who love Jesus. I want for my future a blessed life. And an awesome life when I'm 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 years old. But engaging in my fleshly desires. Which the society that we live in will tell me is freedom. Will only destroy me in the end. And that's why it's the definition of bondage. There is a study done in the 80s of a kindergarten class. And in this kindergarten class, they would go out and they had a fence around the center playground and the kids would run and they would play tag. And so the fences would be base, So they'd go from one side of the fence to the other side of the fence and run through the playground. And, and it was great. And they climbed the fence and they'd try and dig underneath the fence and and they used the entire playground. And a group of psychologists, this was in the eighties, so you could do this, but um, they came to the principal. Yeah, you can do this now. And they came to the principal and they said, can we take away the fence just for a day just to see what happens and so the principal said okay we'll take away the fence so they took away the fence and what happened was the kids who were running and using the entire playground now huddled in the ball in the middle of that playground because there were no boundaries they didn't know where they could go so they were robbed of using the fullness of what they were given And so many times we've been told that boundaries are bondage, but it is not true. The Bible, as our boundary, helps us to understand where we can go, where we are allowed to play safely so we do not destroy our life and our future. Don't lust after somebody who's not your wife because it will destroy your future. Don't be under the influence of anything because it will destroy your future. Don't buy things that you can't afford because it will destroy your future. Listen, boundaries, definitions, and absolutes bring security, liberty, and ultimate freedom. And this is the freedom that Paul is desperate to remind us that we walked into when we accepted Jesus into our lives. This idea of liberty, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has set us free. That word liberty is the Greek word Elethria And there are actually three Greek meanings to that word, and all three of them apply to the freedom that we now have in Jesus Christ. The first one is freedom from slavery to sin. That's freedom from the obligation to sin. Before you put your faith in Jesus, you are obligated to sin. The Bible says that you are a slave to sin. Romans 6.14, though, says... For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. This means that now sin has no power over your life. So when you are tempted, we need to just start exercising our dominion to understand, I don't have to do that. I might be in the moment and things might seem very, um, very appetizing for me, but I don't have to. What satan will try and tell you is you have to do that and you're going to do it anyway So you might as well just go ahead and do it and get it over with Satan will try and tell you that's what your dad did. That's what your grandpa did That's just who you are No, you now have dominion over that sin so you can rebuke it and say in the name of jesus christ I no longer have to do that thing That is liberty It's realizing that we are free in christ that i'm living free So when I get saved, I go from a slave to sin to a son of God. You go from a slave to sin to a daughter of God. Sonship or daughtership is one of the main themes that we find in the book of Galatians. The second um, definition of this word liberty is freedom from external restraints. Listen, I I can read a book. And I can follow a a guideline on something, and that might be great, but we have to understand the rights that we have in Jesus Christ, that, that I can read a book and I can follow some guidelines, but what those things will do for me will never supplement what Jesus has done for me. That your rules and and your books that you read, they they might have good points and they might um, be helpful for you. But the only reason that God ever gave us external restraints was to show us that we had a need for an internal restraint, which is the Holy Spirit. And if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that is the only restraint that you should rely on. Because you can give me rules and you can give me ideas and concepts. You can give me a bunch of do and don'ts. And you might be praised because of your willpower. You might be revered because of your resolve. And you might be envied because of your discipline. But it's all about you. And it will never last. Because spirituality isn't connected to my willpower or my do-goodism. It's connected to the finished work of Jesus Christ and his indwelling spirit. Legalism is the most popular substitute today for true spirituality. Legalism is basing your spirituality on what you can do or what you don't do. But this does not make you spiritual. And many of us, we will consciously or subconsciously believe that God will use me when I start keeping my nose clean. God will use me because I don't drink alcohol. God will use me because I've never smoked a cigarette or done drugs in my life. Listen, God uses us where we are True spirituality is connected to Jesus, not you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he has done. So I no longer rely on external restraints, but an internal desire to follow Jesus. We are internally regulated by the spirit of Jesus. So when the flesh wants, the spirit reminds us what we really want. It's not about external restraints anymore. It's about an internal desire. In uh, Isaiah fifty nine nineteen, it says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So you can give me your five laws or eight rules. That's fine, but they'll never do what the Spirit of God can do for my life. Because when the enemy comes in, it says the Spirit of God is what rises up in me and sets a standard against those things. So what's inside of you because the things that are outside of you the things you can do with your hands they will eventually fail you if you do not rely on jesus christ the third thing is freedom of access john ten seven says this most assuredly this is jesus speaking most assuredly i say to you i am the door if anyone enters by me he is he will be saved he will go in and out and find pasture he has freedom to come in and out. If you are saved, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you can go in and you can go out. Not if you put your faith and your trust in your works and your do-goodism, then you can go in and you can go out. What is that telling us? What that is telling us is that our concepts and ideas of what I can or can't do because of what I've, because of what I've done are completely wrong. What we'll say is I can't go to church today because of what I did I can't pray today because of what I did. How dare I sing songs To the lord when I did that last night We define hypocrisy Not according to god's word anymore, but according to the culture that we live in So when we do something we mess up Before church the world calls us a hypocrite But what the bible calls us you're still righteous when the world tells us that we should be rejected, Jesus says you're still redeemed because I can go in and out, not because of what I've done, not because of what I can do, not because I've achieved a level of of Christianity or religion that makes me feel good about myself or other people feel good about who I am. It's about Jesus Christ. That is the only reason that you and I can go in and out. And by the way, this grace that I'm talking about, it will never lead you to more sin. It will always lead you to more righteousness. But we have to understand that our righteousness doesn't come from us. There's a concept in the book of Galatians. It's one of the main concepts and doctrines that's introduced by Paul. And it's called imputation. Imputation speaks of the gift of righteousness. Imputed righteousness isn't that just that you are forgiven. It's that you have been made righteous perfect by jesus that when god looks at you what he sees is the perfect work of his son the finished work of his son and so many times we as christians we're good with being forgiven we're good with god saying okay fine you can go to heaven but this idea and concept of righteousness we can't we we can't comprehend that this idea that even if i mess up god looks at me and says righteous that I have right standing with God. Because what we do is when we work with our hands and we mess up with our hands, we think I'm now in wrong standing with God. But God says that you are right standing with him. Now the Holy Spirit will convict you and the Holy Spirit will want you, will give you a longing to become more like him. Absolutely. But throughout the years, even in Peter, We look at the life of Peter, a guy who um, betrayed Jesus, was completely ashamed of what he had done. Jesus comes back, and they have this conversation. And Peter's okay with being accepted back by Jesus, but he still has the guilt, and he still has the shame, and he still is dealing with this idea of, man, I really messed up, and Jesus must be so angry at me. I want to show you a video that really illustrates this scenario.
1: Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. It's always
0: about me. That's grace, Peter. See, Peter could, you know, Peter could forgive himself. He could come up and come with the concept that Jesus can forgive me, but how could God forget? Because of what I did. Because of what I've done. See, this is... It's all about me. And what Jesus says is it's not about you. It's about what I did. You see, we are not only forgiven, we're righteous. And I can never be more righteous than than I am right now. Because it's not about what I've done, it's about what he did. And what he did was perfect. Who he was was perfect you will never be more accepted by God than you are sitting in that seat as long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when God sees you, he sees his son. The Bible says that you are hidden with Christ. That is Christ in me. That is the hope of glory. That is the hope of redemption. And the voices will come into your head and they will try and tell you that you can't come here, that you can't go to him, that you can't do this or that because of what you've done or what you've come from because of your past. But you are righteous and anything less than that is straight from the pit of hell and absolutely heresy. And when you leave this place, your past will talk to you. Those voices will tell you Don't listen to him. Because what does he really know? He wasn't really a disciple. Paul doesn't really know what he's talking about. You've got to earn your way back. Because you will never earn your way back. You can't do it. And so the enemy of your soul will know that because you can't do it, you will eventually give up because you fail time and time again. And then you'll go back and figure out another thing solution that will never give you fulfillment because only jesus gives us fulfillment it is jesus plus nothing that equals everything john 8 36 says whom the son has set free is free indeed listen you are free all the way do you see the double emphasis who the son has set free is free indeed you are free to live life In the liberty in which Christ came to die for that you are free, that I am free. In John eight thirty two, it says, you shall know the truth and that truth s- shall set you free. That word know is the word gnosko. It means literally, tangibly, physically encounter the person of Jesus Christ. And it is only in him, only in the true gospel, in authentic relationship that you will find the freedom that you are looking for, that your family will find the freedom that they are looking for, that your friends and your coworkers and the people downtown and the people that God put into encounters into your life only through the true gospel will they find what they're looking for and that is Jesus Christ the person of Jesus is the only one who can make you free imagine that imagine that in your households imagine that in Phoenix imagine that in the spheres that you will go home to in the people that you will bump into every single day Imagine that freedom because when they catch wind of what true, authentic grace and the purity of the gospel is, that it's not some set of rules or do's or don'ts, they'll come running because they're looking. Would you pray with me?